Hey, I'm Kevin, the student pastor at Shore Church again. Thanks for listening to our message. We strive each week to bring you relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To find out more about us or what's going on at the church, head on over to scog.com or download the app. Hope you enjoy the message. We are in the middle of a series called It's Just a Season. Don't miss it. We're all in different seasons of life. Yes, we've just entered fall. We had, we had fall yesterday. Looks like we're going to have fall today. Monday? Might be winter. Right? So just, just be prepared. But we're in a And that's how life seasons go as well. Right? You're in a season in this moment. You think everything's hunky-dory or you think everything's terrible. Just wait a second. Because tomorrow, it might all change. And so when we are in these seasons, whether they are difficult times, I'm going to try not to say it's a bad season, okay? Because it's life, and things happen. It can be difficult, but there's always opportunities in it. There's always a calling of God on our lives in those moments that can, beautiful things can happen. So there are difficult seasons. There are good seasons. There are fun seasons. And so as we navigate that, there's people in here right now that are having the best seasons of their lives. There's people in this room sitting next to the people that are having the best seasons of their lives, having the absolute most difficult seasons of their lives, right? And, but they change. Times move. <laughs> and sometimes it'll come back around whether you want to or not. Just like our weather seasons, the patterns happen. And so we're going to explore these these seasons that we have in life. And what are the questions that we're asking when we have these different seasons? Uh, the f- first question we answered last week was, who is in charge? Who is in charge? I want to speak to your manager. Right? Uh, this is, sometimes we just look at the weather. We look at what's going on in life. We're just, whoa, 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 whoa. What is happening right now? Who okayed this? Why was this someone's plan? What is going on from here on out? Who's in charge? Maybe you've asked that question. Second one we ask is, who am I? Who am I? And this is where we're going to deal with the majority of our time today. Who am I? What, when I peel away the layers, who am I really? What am I, what gives me significance? What says this is who I am? This is a difficult question. Because I think we chase the answer on this one all over the place. And we always come up with weird answers. And those answers disappoint us. And those answers frustrate us. And those answers lead us into weird places. We're going to talk a lot more about that today. Third one that we're going to talk about next week is what am I doing? What am I doing? Ever woken up? Started doing something? What in the world? Find yourself at work one day? You're like, what am I doing? Yelling at your kid, like what? This is not. This is not how I planned this. We were supposed to be having fun, right? Every vacation with a teenager ever. (laughs) Wow. Anyway, sorry. Uh, It's not personal issues coming out in that at all. Uh, But we ask these questions: Who is in charge? Who am I? And what in the world am I doing? And so these questions come up when the seasons get weird. We often quit asking these questions when we're in a great season. When we're in a great season, we don't ask questions about anything. We don't even ask the important questions like, how do I make the season last longer? 
What did I do to make this season go well so well? What's, what are the, what contributed to that? Nope, we just quit asking questions. <laughs> just going to let it ride, enjoy it for what happens. And then when it comes crashing, what in the world happened? And then we go through this crisis of asking these questions all over again. Uh, the most difficult time, I think, for, for me is when those seasons change. Just finding your bearings, right, when those seasons change. And um, this happens when, you know, you lose a job. Uh, someone moves away. Someone passes away. A relationship ends. Uh, the, the, the big hiccups of life. And you're, you're so jerked out of whatever you thought it was, right? Just like uh, we had to do in, in Bowen and Kendall's room, we had to do the clothes change, right? Because Bowen and Kendall still wanted to wear tank tops and shorts. And it's 40 degrees when you're going to school in the morning and that they send you home with letters thinking that you're a bad parent when that happens. So quit, Bowen, wearing tank tops to school when it's 42 degrees outside. Uh, and you got to do the, but I don't want to be, I want to still be outside. I still want to play. I still want to go do this and I still want to, I don't want to go through the changing of the wardrobe and, and what it needs to be prepared and comfortable and healthy in my next season. Right, and these questions help us, being rooted and grounded in the answers to these questions, help us get prepared for the next season. Does this make sense? Okay, good. Glad it does to you, because I don't know. <laughs> this week, we are diving into the who am I question. The who, excuse me, the who am I question. Now, the answer to this question is difficult. It's hard because if we start thinking about what we identify as, who are we identifying as? This is a big question in society. It's a big question in uh, our own lives. It, it's a big question in our teenagers. It's a big question in uh, our 20-somethings. Who am I? It is a foundational question to so many different things. Who am I going to be? What am I actually doing like, what is the root of who, who I am? And this starts to, to kind of erode or to work on this chasing of this, the answer to this question, who am I, gets us in all kinds of different, weird, interesting places. Because we start to slap labels on who I am. I am a Cubs fan. I'm not, but anyway. I am a Cubs fan. And so my identity is challenged when they win a World Series. I don't even know who I am anymore. They won something, right? There's still people, some, some of you guys still have, have, have labels all over your car. Like, they're champions, champions. That car, you're going to keep that car forever. It's going to be 100 years old before they win another one. And you're like, yeah, I won that. I won that. I'm trash talking. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Shouldn't lie from up here. Um, I'm a little bit guilty about this. But who am I? We identify as a fan of something. We identify as, I'm a Bears fan, I'm a, I'm a Cubs fan. I identify as, I work at this place. I am this. I, I am this athlete. I am a baseball player. And some of us, 40 years later, are still, I was a baseball player. That's who I am. And we still identify as it, right? We identify as, I'm... I'm this, I'm that. And we, and we get really strong to that. Except that when the seasons of life change and that's no longer who we are anymore or what we can do anymore, we have this search for meaning, this search for who, who actually am I? What am I apart from that job? Some of us, um, 
we go through this season very, very difficult when, when the nest is, is empty, when the kids move away to college, because as parents, it's so easy to wrap your life and your identity around getting those kids to the 8,000 different places they need to be, and then they're not there anymore, and now who am I? And so there's this, this crisis of what's going on. This is one of the reasons you see marriages go when that happens. It's because it's for so long they've identified as our job is to get this kid to live, <laughs> right? To be fed, to sleep occasionally, to not fail all their classes, and to go. That was what we've, I, we've, our whole life has been wrapped up into this. And then once we achieve that mission, oh, I don't even remember who you are. What's your name again? What's your hobbies? What do you like? I fell in love with you once. One. Uh, you snore a lot. You, you, you go through this and you got, we giggle about it, but it's, we, we see it over and over and over and over and over again. Because our identity has been wrapped up in a good thing, but not the best thing. And so we see this all the time happen in our lives. Uh, this question of who I am is a question that is kind of, it's, it's ingrained and rooted into the psyche of people forever. Moses wants to put a, a, a qualifier on God. Who are you? Who is this God that I'm talking about, talking to? He's trying to narrow it down because this identity placer of who are you, God, is incredibly important to him. It's incredibly important to us, right? We've got to figure out, kids, all right, who are you? All right, this is who you are. Does my mom like you? Cool, you are safe, right? You can watch that. I watch that happen all the time with two-year-old kids, three-year-old kids here. I walk in and, and little Charlotte, Isaiah and Alexa's little girl, if I walk up to her in the hallway and I'm like, hi, hi, Charlotte. And she's like, mm, nah, nah. Except if she's holding her mama's hand and I go, hi, Charlotte. Hi, Alexa. And Alexa says, hi, wave. She's like, you're cool? Okay, we're, we're good. You're, you're cool with my mom, so I'm cool with you. There's identifier happening. And so we, it's very ingrained into us. We do the same thing, right? That's why... Inviting your friends to church is the number one best possible way you can get people to come to church is because they're like, okay, that's cool with you. I guess I'll check it out. Right? It's, it's the same thing. We're all two-year-olds. We throw temper tantrums just like them. We, you know, we, we, we can't eat responsibly just like them. It's the whole thing. Maybe that's just self-reflection. Who am I? We're asking this question and Moses is asking it of God. And so he says, hey, God, or you, with the burning bush thing. Who are you? Who am I supposed to say you are? And God seems dumbfounded by the question. Like, in this question, we're reading this for over and over again, but I'm always like, why did God answer this? This is not a cool name. This is not like, you could pick anything you wanted to be called for all eternity, and you pick, I am, I am. That's what Yahweh means, I am. Okay, now I can try to make it cool and change my voice. I am. Do all Charlton Heston to it or whatever. But it's still, I am. That's what you're going with? Okay. Until you understand the, the, the befuddlement of God. Like, I'm not a mountain. I am who I am. I'm incredible. I'm totally secure in that. I know who I am. I am. The, I am. That's the definition. I am who I am. Because all things come through me and all is created through me. And I, I am. I'm not going to be 
Like the other society going on at this time is like, well, that's the God of the river and that's the God of thunderstorms and that's the God of, of, of this weather pattern and that's the God of hail and that's the God of uh, reproduction and that's the God of all these other things. And so Moses is kind of like, so which one of those are you? He's like, I am. And so it starts to, there's a lot faster way of him saying, I'm the God of this, 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 It's a lot faster for him to just say, I am the God of I am. That's who I am. I am. So when we sing the song, the great I am, it's really, it's singing the song, I am the God of all time, all things, all people, all circumstance. I am. Good circumstance, bad circumstance, cranky times, happy times, I am. And so when, when this, this happening in the Old Testament where God introduced himself to Moses with I am who I am, it reads weird, it feels weird, but it's who God is. I am. You got a problem? I am. You're happy? I am. You're on top of the world? I am. You're at the lowest of lows? I am. I am there. I am present. I am who I am. Jesus goes through seven different I am statements. I'm not going to read all of them for you today, but he's kind of going through the same. We want to qualify Jesus. Who are you guys? Are you this? Are you that? Are you Elijah? Come back. Are you going to be the Messiah? Are you going to be this? Are you going to be that? Where do you fit in our little, because we're always trying to do that, right? We're always, we find somebody we're like, mm, Aaron is this person, right? Troy is this person. Put them, in, put them in this box so I can neatly place them. Are you safe? Are you not safe? Are you? Can I make a sale? Can I, can I leverage this relationship? We're always, we're always doing that, whether we want to admit it or not. We're and Jesus' answer to one of these questions, who are you? His I am. There's a very intentional reason he said I am. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The identifier is, okay, you want to figure out who I am? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So many times when we're asking who am I questions, it's because we're trying to be something we're never supposed to be in the first place. When we... I've been so disappointed and felt like my life was falling apart when I didn't get jobs I didn't even want to apply for in the first place. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, I'm not going to get too involved in this. I'm not going to get too. I'm not going to get too excited about it. It's okay. I don't even want to move there. I don't want to. I, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with that traffic. I don't want to. Blah, 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 blah. I didn't get it. Oh, I'm such a failure. I think of one specific instance. I was going to have to drive this pre you guys. Okay, I'm not applying for jobs. Promise. Uh, I was applying for this job and I really, I I didn't want it. I was going to have to drive an hour and a half in in Georgia traffic every day, which usually means like three hours. And so I was going to have to drive forever, every day, which if you know my family, traffic is our favorite thing in the world. He said sarcastically. Um, And I, you know, I, I was like, I don't care if I really get it or not. And then I went through the interview process. And I didn't went through the interview process. I get a phone call. Jared, I'm sorry you didn't get this job. I should have been like, yes, I didn't really want this job. Thank you, God, for keeping me out of this position. Instead, I was like, 
I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. My life is over. Because my identity started to get wrapped up. Can I win this job? I don't even know if I actually wanted the job. I wanted to win. And my identity was, it was wrapped up in that. So many times we're asking, who am I questions in the different seasons of my, our life. Maybe we've lost a job and our things are going crazy and we're asking, who am, I, who am I? And we're so ready to jump onto our personal significance to, did we win this moment? Did we do this thing? Did we come out on top? That when those don't happen, we don't know who we are anymore because our identity is, is placed on our success. All right? Whatever that's defined in whatever area we're at. Except that's not who we're called to be. The defining of who we are is, is totally devoid on what we actually do with what we make, what we create, what our job title is. That's, Jesus isn't interested really in that. What he's interested in is, is changing the script, changing who we are at the very nature of who we are, that our identity is found in something totally drastically different. And this finding ourselves of who we actually are is a tough process because what it really is, is the shaving off and the tearing down of all these man-made goals that we start placing on ourselves. Having goals are fantastic. I'm not saying we shouldn't be, should be rudderless and not go after anything and never have any ambition. That's not what I'm saying at all. It's just the root of who we are has to be found in Christ when it starts to be found in what we actually have done in life, now we have some problems. Because now we're saying if, if who our identity is found in, in what I produced and what I made and what I, uh, what, how much money I have or what boat I bought, if our identity is found in that, look at the shiny objects I've done. Then when that fades away, when that rusts, when that goes away, we're left with nothing. But when our identity is constantly found in who I am in Christ... It doesn't matter if the house burns down, the boat sinks, if I lose my job, if I lose my health, because my identity is found in Christ. This is a big shift. And it requires us starting to scrape away and really examining all the things that we think are that are important to us. Is that really important to me? Is it important to God? Because we so easily start identifying ourselves as the success or the failure of what's on the outside. You do it. I do it. With all the different metrics we have, we're constantly trying to identify if someone's good or bad. If you've paid attention to you, if you're a teacher or if you've paid attention to what your kids have been doing, they take a standardized test about every three weeks. All these different tests for all kinds of different stuff. What they're trying to quantify is, are your kids learning and is the teacher doing a good job? Well, it doesn't actually help. You just walk into my classroom and see that Johnny's spinning around in circles. He's the distraction, not necessarily if I'm teaching well or not, but, you know, I digress. But we are all focused. It's, it's a hyper in our, our education system because that's why I get to see every day. But you see that because we're just trying to, we're trying to identify who's, who's succeeding, who's failing, who's succeeding, who's failing. In your jobs, if you're a salesperson, you always have all these metrics all over the place. What, did you succeed? Well, last year, I sold a billion widgets. This year, I only sold half a billion widgets. Well, they don't care what happened last year. They only care what happened this year. Except if we have a decent product, I can't sell a billion every, every, 
every year because the old ones still work. I don't care about that. But, <laughs> right? And that's the, the nature of, uh, don't be salesmen, people. All right, but that's, <laughs> that's, that's the nature of the job, right? And that's what, what happens. But, but I'm identifying, oh, I had a great year, and now I have a bad year. Oh, I must be a failure. No, you're just really good at your job last year. We do this all the time. We identify even our marriages. I'm great because my marriage is in a good spot. What happens if your spouse goes through a, a rough season and your marriage is rocky and things are bad and you start identifying, oh, it must be a failure because everything's not going well at home. Now you're spiraled as marriage. Two people are going through tough, tough seasons and that's real hard to get out of that. We do this all the time. We drop water bottles in the middle of a message. So who are we supposed to be? I found, I think, like 26, 27 verses that really speak to who our identity is in Christ. And I, I had them all laid out, and I was like, I don't want to go through each one of these 27. So all you got to do is a simple Google search of who I am I in Christ, and you can do a great Bible study for the next year on that. What I wanted to do today is give you one significant passage in scripture and break that apart for us, and then you can, can work through that, okay? So turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2. It will be on the screen, but I would love for you to bookmark this, underline it in your own Bibles as well. If you do not have a Bible um, of your own, there are Bibles available in the seats in front of you. If you don't have one at all, feel free to take one of those uh, home with you today. If you've got eight other ones gathering dust at home, don't take my Bible and get it dusty too. First uh, Peter chapter two. But you are a chosen people. This is verse nine, sorry. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. Who are you? I am a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession. Some of you going through something this morning, need to read that over again, highlight it, underline it, draw flowers next to it, whatever you need to do, you are God's special possession. God of all creator, creation, I am who I am, calls you his special creation. Is that not special? But I don't feel like it. I don't care if you don't feel like you're special. God himself says you are my special possession. That you may declare the praises of him who created you or called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Who am I? So when we deal with shame issues, when we deal with identity issues, when we deal with, I don't know who I am, I'm struggling through these things. Well, how are we going to answer these questions? Well, if you look at 1 Peter 2, you get some answers out of that. Who am I? I am chosen. Who am I? I am chosen. If you are not athletic, and even if you were athletic, and you were in gym class or at recess, the toughest time of day is when you are starting to get picked. Back and forth, right? Because it was a popularity contest and a talent contest all wrapped up in one. And am I chosen? Am I not? Will Bobby pick me because I really want to be on Bobby's team? And I, I kind of like Bobby. And Bobby's my friend. And Bobby just passed me over four times. It's a bad day in fourth grade when that happens, right? But who am I when you, I am picked. I am chosen. God has called me out. He said, you matter. 
I want you with me on my team. Who am I? You are chosen by God. Second thing, a royal priesthood. Now this is scandalous that Peter's writing this down. You are a chosen royal priesthood. You are. He's writing this to a great audience. He's not saying, uh, well, no, only the Levites and the Jews that have come to Christ, you're only the priesthood. There's all these qualifiers that, that Judaism has put on who can be priests, who can have that connection, who can offer these sacrifices, who can, who can do these things. But Peter's blowing this all up, right, as Jesus has. and said, no, 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 no. You are chosen, and you are a royal, a part of the royal priesthood. You are. Not just some select people that all have some select talents at some select moments. No, no, no. You are part of the royal priesthood. One of the I am statements that Jesus has is, I am the vine, you are the branches, and through me you'll bear much fruit. I'm paraphrasing. But we get to be the fruit bearers of the vine of Christ. We do. That's our responsibility, but it's also our privilege that we get tapped into. Where does our nourishment come from? Where does our, where our nutrients come from? Where does the very living sustenance of our lives come from? It comes from the vine of Christ. This is significant for us, that for us to tap into Jesus, to be grafted in, is that our fruit comes from Christ. It flows out of us. The things, the things that really matter, the things that we produce that really matter are from Christ. We are called to be a royal priesthood. This isn't just Jared gets to. Right? Our, our roles may look different. You may not be called to speak on a Sunday morning. And if you are, let's work something out here. But you may, you know, Yvonne's not going to be up here preaching. It's not, I, I tease her every once in a while, but that's not, that's not her. That's not what's going to happen. It's okay. But there's other things that she is called to do to speak into people's lives that I'll never have the opportunity for. There's ministry opportunities that she has that, that are fantastic, that no one's ever going to say, Jared, I really want you to speak to the, in, that, in that moment. Because she has a different fruit bearing, her branch has a different fruit bearing idea behind it than mine does. That's the way God created it. But so many of us, we abdicate those responsibilities. We're like, ah, I don't really want to, I don't, I don't know, I feel weird about that. I don't, I don't know if I should be in that. It's your fruit bearing responsibility because when you're tapped into Christ to live out this royal priesthoodness. We don't just abdicate it to someone else. In fact, that starts to become our identity is who, what kind of fruit are we bearing? Not in our jobs, not in how successful we are. But what kind of fruit am I bearing through the vine of Christ? We all are a royal priesthood. We are a special possession. We are a special possession. If you have children, you know what a special possession is, right? We have black bear and white bear. They are brown and gray, but that's okay. Um, and they are special possessions. They do not leave. If, if, if black bear or white bear get left at a babysitter's house, 
We have like deaf, con- there's been many a nights where I've driven to somebody's house. Like, Can I please have the bears? You know? Because we got, they're special possession. They're cherished. And you probably have that. We have it at all different ages. It may be a car. It may be a tool. It may be, I don't know what your special possession, it may be a purse. It may be a, a who, it's your, it's a thing. It's, I love this thing. This thing. I love it. Whether we're 80 or whether we're two, we have white bear, black bear. It's precious to us. And how amazing is it to think about that when God thinks about you, you're his special possession. He doesn't want to go anywhere without it. That you're on his mind. That's your identity. That I'm God's special possession. That's different than thinking about how much money I made, what kind of house I have, what kind of car I drive. That God has called me his, his special possession. You didn't earn it. You didn't reach a certain goal. You didn't hit every ball or never fail a test. You're his. And finally, you're called, who am I? I am called out of darkness. I'm called out of darkness. I once was this and now I'm not that anymore. You are a new creation. New, not old, new. You are created new. Called out of the murk, out of the mire, out of the junk, out of the look. And you are precious in his glorious light. You have been called out of darkness. A darkness that consumes us, a darkness that traps us, a darkness that that sticks us into nasty places. But we've been set apart in a new creation in Christ Jesus. We no longer live the way we were, but now we are different. And this adjustment and change is hard. We are called out of darkness. There is a happening going on in, in, in social circles right now that's pretty crazy. Um, there's a guy who's been a pretty influential non-Christian who just got saved. Now, I'm not going to put all my eggs in the basket of Kanye West. Okay? Kanye's a pretty crazy dude. But Kanye, um, one of the, the pastor who, who married him and Kim Kardashian, uh, preaches at our motion conference every year. And our, um, our leaders got to sit up with him, and somebody's like, tell us about Kanye and Kim. What the heck is going on? And he's like, listen, there's some interesting stuff going on there, and it puts me in a position that I really get to, um, to minister to people that I never thought I'd get to minister to. And so it's just an interesting back and forth. But Kanye preached his first sermon a couple uh, weeks ago. And that is amazing. Now, before you scoff too much at Kanye, this musician, blah, blah, blah. Well, Bob Dylan wrote a whole, whole album. All right, Bob Dylan went through uh, some stuff too. Um, but I don't want to be the guy who writes off Kanye because of his past. I'm going to be a little bit careful. I'm not like, whoa, Team Kanye. I'm just like, all right, dude, you do you. (laughs) So, Because if 
God grabs a hold of his heart and changes who he was to who he can be, he's going to have a place of influence that I could never even dream of. He's got voice, he, people that he can speak into that just, okay, you can change culture. I'll work on Shorewood. You work on the rest of it. Yeah. And so uh, you've got this issue, and there, there's this moment this week that I just I found fascinating that Kim Kardashian, one of the biggest sex symbols of the last 15 years, is his wife. And there's this moment, that, I don't know if it was on the TV show or whatever, I just saw it on Twitter, where he's like, I really wish you wouldn't dress so provocatively. And everyone's like, how dare he try to control his wife and blah, blah, blah all this stuff. Like, eh. When you go from the old self to the new, you're like, babe, that's not what we're about. That's not who we are. That's not who I am. Now, that's a pretty big culture shock. It's going to be a pretty big culture shock for his family as well, right? And so I've spent way too much time talking about Kanye in this message. However, the same thing happens for us in our own lives, right? We, we, we take our old self, who I used to be, and now I've got this newness. I've got to try to figure out who I am. And what I want, I'm not that anymore. I'm called out of darkness. I'm called out of the muck. I'm called out of the ugh. And while it's really easy for us to point fingers and be like, well, Kanye had a lot of muck to come out of. Yeah, yeah, we've got that same stuff in our own lives. We've got the same tendencies, the same stuff, the same junk that, that God is calling us out of the darkness and said, you don't have to be like that anymore. You don't have to be given into gossip and lying, and stealing, and cheating. You don't have to be addicted to those things anymore. You don't have to be addicted to whatever you're addicted to. You don't have, a li- have to live a life of darkness anymore. You are called out. You are set apart. You're my special possession. You don't have to walk in darkness anymore. I think that's beautiful. What gives me hope? When I try to start identifying myself, I put myself in darkness a lot. This is one of those ways in which when I'm in charge of identifying, giving myself my own identity, I run into darkness. That's where I stub my toe. You ever walk around your bed at night and you're like, oh, I swear I just broke, not my toe, not my foot, my whole leg, my whole body. I just broke it because I hit that corner so hard, right? That's what we do when we try to identify ourselves in darkness is we can't help but stumble. We can't help but break ourselves. We can't help but run into things that, 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 that are going to hurt us. God has called us apart. He set us apart and called us out of the darkness into a glorious, glorious light. Ephesians 4, 20 to 24 says this. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by the deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to not put on the, sorry, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. This is who you are now called to be. To be made new in the attitude of your minds and to be put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The final thing that we are called that steps out of this darkness is we are called to be free. Who am I? I am free. I'm no longer a slave to all the old junk, the old stuff. I am called to be free. New. Galatians 5 1 says, It is freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke 
of slavery. So many times when we are a new creation in God and we struggle with who am I, we, we instead of going back to the, the truths of 1 Peter, of I am chosen, I am a royal priesthood, I am special possession, I am called out of darkness. Instead, we go back to the old stuff that enslaved us in the first place. And there's that, that, that familiar shackle, there's that familiar yoke. Yoke, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna put that back on and I'm gonna walk around with that because I know it. And maybe I got calluses built there and it makes me feel a little bit comfortable that I can just go put that old yoke on. A yoke was something that the oxen used to pull things. So they would have had it on their, had it on, um, their, their neck and that's what they would have pulled through life with. So it would have felt like, ah, that's where that sits. Like an old coat. And sometimes we keep on going back to that, keep on going back to that, keep on going back to that. But in Galatians it says, you are set free just burn that stupid yoke. We are drawn back to it over and over and over and over and over and over again. Sometimes when we identify ourselves, and, and, and this is a huge temptation for, for all of us, we identify ourselves with, with how much work we do and how much we get done. That if, if you had this thought, you know you identify yourself with work, if you think, I can't take a vacation because this place is going to burn itself down if I'm not here today. Right? If you have that problem, you really need to take a week off because work's still going to be there. They may stub their toe and they may w- struggle, but they'll be okay. And I can say that totally with someone who suffered through that. I was convinced a place was going to burn down if I didn't be there, wasn't there anymore. Guess what? Totally fine without me. I'm not that important. There's only one savior of the universe. And you know what? I'm not it. And maybe you need to learn that today. There's only one savior of the universe, and you're not it. Sorry for the insult. We need to calm ourselves down in that. And sometimes it feels good to be Superman at work, doesn't it? Or Superwoman. I'm going to tell you right now, if Kelly wasn't at at the school that she's at right now, they'd have some issues for a minute. But the school's not going to close. Your work might have some issues if you weren't there anymore. But it'll be okay. The world will still spin. Seasons will still change. The sun will still rise and the sun will still set. There's only one savior of the universe and you aren't it. So with that truth, where do we identify ourselves as? As a son or daughter of the king most high. That we are chosen. That we are a royal priesthood. That we are a special possession. And that we are called out of darkness. Isaiah, come on up as I pray this morning. For some of us, we, we struggle through this, this identity thing. When we place our identity in, in weird places and in rough places, we find ourselves in a rough situation, in a rough season of life, because we're trying to figure out who am I right now? How do I deal with these issues? How do I deal with these disappointments? To call ourselves a, a Christian and to call ourselves to align ourselves with Christ is we need to come back to who am I really? What am I judged by? In the great scheme of things, what actually matters? It matters that God has called my name, that I am chosen, that I'm a royal priesthood, that I'm a special possession, and I'm called out of darkness. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, this this morning, in this moment, in this time, I give you all of my life. I want to be more than I am. 
I want to be more than what my job says I am or what my bank account says I am. Or I want to be more than that. I want to bear fruit in your name. I want to be a conduit for your love. I want to be your hands and your feet. No matter my job title, no matter what my, my paycheck says, I want to be the hands and feet of Christ in these moments. I want to be yours. This morning, I give you all that I am, all of me. I want to relinquish control over my past and my present and my future. I want to give you all of it. Even the parts I keep on trying to to sneak back and return to. I give you all of me. Lord, would you be Lord of my life? Would you be the vine in which I'm grafted into? Would you set me free? God, I want to be identified as your child, as your special possession. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you all the days of your life. You are dismissed. Thanks for joining us at church this week. And a special thanks to all those who continue to support our mission through your generosity. You too can support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community by giving on the website or through the app. To make sure you never miss out on a message, be sure to subscribe. And don't forget to hit that share button to spread the word. Have a great week.